Good morning. All right. I want to underscore, if you can pull the house lights up, the Hillcrest Initiative, which is happening this Saturday. If you can come with us to the Home Depot on 40 at 9.30, God has shown us a lot of favor. We already have somewhere between seven and 10,000 flowers. So we got a, about 400 bags of mulch coming. There's about 50 different churches involved. We realized early it's about 75% Hispanic where we're going into Hillcrest, and now we have Latino pastors with us on this. You're going to see a kingdom manifestation of unity and great compassion to a neighborhood that's where there's gangs and there's violence, and we're going to go and bring the peace and love of Jesus. We're going to knock on doors, and we're going to say, we've come to plant flowers. They're going to say, why? We're going to say, well, God has blessed us. We've come to bless you. You can even help us. We're going to transform the school, the parks, the neighborhoods. There's going to be barren places becoming beautiful. So you want to see like an awesome community event. 9.30 at the Home Depot. Bring your blue jeans, T-shirt, shovel, and we're going to get dirty together for Jesus, okay? Let's do it. I'll be there. And then we're, yeah, let's go. Natanya Castan is going to bring lots of bubbles, seeds of life. Michael Dixon will be there. It's going to be awesome. Let's do it. By now, you probably know I'm a big fan of soaping, and uh, behind me is the acronym for soap. It stands for Scripture, being in the Word. We want you to be soaping the book of Mark with us. We're calling this Marks of the Kingdom. So we want you opening the Word and reading it prayerfully, letting God speak to you, observing what it's saying to you, okay? What did Mark, why did Mark write this gospel? What is he saying? And then bringing the personal applications to your life. God, how does the scripture apply to me? And then praying it back to God. I suppose if you're talking to somebody, they may want to ask you the question, you know, have you seen the Hunger Games? Or have you been to the new Asian restaurant in Middletown? Or have you seen the latest high school play? You know, what questions are asked? But a really good question when you meet somebody who's a believer is to say, what has God been showing you from the scriptures recently? What has God been revealing to you about himself? So I'd like you to ask me that question, okay? I want you to ask me the question. Really, this is for real. What has God been showing you from the scriptures? Okay, go ahead and ask me. I'm glad you asked. I'm going to share with you now, okay? <laughs> so here we go. Passages I've been soaping on. Um, let's begin by making this declaration. The king can establish his kingdom by casting out demons, which is the overarching thought behind this. Let's look together on the screen. It's Isaiah 61, verse 1. This was Jesus' first sermon. He preached, he quoted this scripture that says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. I think about the poor, this is my observation. I think about the poor being the disadvantaged. I think about the poor being discriminated against. I think about the poor being forsaken and forgotten. I think about the poor being very near to the heart of God. I think about the poor down in Haiti not having good roads to travel on. I think about the poor not having good water to drink or adequate food to eat. I think about the poor not having education that we have here. I think about the poor not having good medical help. I think about the poor and their condition. And Jesus brought the good news to the poor. He even would say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Hasn't God chosen the poor to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? He promised 
to those who love him. It's the poor. That God calls us to preach the gospel, to live the gospel in front of the poor. And what does he do? He then binds up the heart of the brokenhearted. He proclaims freedom for the captives. To the heart that is broken, and all around you, perhaps in this room, are broken hearts, broken marriages, broken lives, broken dreams. And what does God do to that broken condition? He brings wholeness and healing. He binds up our wounds. He heals the brokenhearted. And to the one who is a captive, God sets free. We just sang about that. And he takes us out of darkness and makes the prisoner free. You see, it's God who brings about the restoration. Jesus came to bring the great renewal, the reconciliation of God and man. I think if there ever was a brokenhearted man, it was Peter himself. You know, Mark probably spent about 10 years with Peter. Peter had gone to Rome, and Mark had gone with him and was with him there. And I'm sure Peter told the story of his own failure. There was a time when Peter was beside the charcoal fire, and he was asked, are you one of his disciples? And Peter denied any association with Jesus. And I believe that Peter racked himself over his failure. He replayed that in his mind many, many times. And after the resurrection, Jesus met Peter there beside a charcoal fire. And he asked him this question. He said, Peter, do you love me? And he asked the question three times to Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You see, what Jesus was doing there was healing a brokenhearted man. And then he reinstated him and said, feed my sheep, take care of my little lambs. You see, Peter was recommissioned to do the work of God. He had made a promise, but he had failed to keep his promise. But now Jesus was showing him unconditional love and healing his broken spirit. Why did Jesus come? 1 John 3.8 says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus has come to give us life and a more abundant kind of life. The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. Derek Prince was asked this question, can a Christian have a demon? And he said, yes, Christians can have anything they want. You see, in our spiritual journeys, we may discover that we are suffering under oppression, oppression from the enemy. The enemy has infiltrated and is now bringing oppression. Oppression means to lower one's spirit or their mood. He brings affliction against God's people. He brings torment. But the reason Jesus appeared was to destroy the work of the enemy. And here's a description of Jesus' ministry given by Peter as he preached at Cornelius' house. He said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now we talked about that last week, about at the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven like a dove and filled Jesus' life. And how he went around doing good things and healing all those who were oppressed under the power of the devil because God was with him. So let's begin now looking at and answering the question, what did Jesus do from Mark's gospel? If you have it open, we're at chapter 1 and verse 22. First thing I want to say is that Jesus taught the truth. 
the people were amazed at his teaching. There in that congregation in Capernaum were the common people of the day. Fishermen, merchants, laborers. And they heard Jesus teach. And they were amazed at the power of his teaching. Because Jesus spoke with authority. The Pharisees would sort of quote the authorities. Haleo has said this. Gamaliel has said this. But Jesus spoke with authority. I guess if you've written the book, you can interpret the book. And now Jesus was speaking with authority, unlike the teachers of the law. And they were amazed. They were, they were amazed by his teaching. Something was being stirred deep inside of them through his teaching. There was a ring of truth to his teaching. You see, some people here wrestle with authority, especially people in authority over you. Good authority is meant to help people, to solve people's problems, to empower people. But we're very accustomed to people in power using their power for their own self-advantage. We say that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. The problem down in Haiti is that their leaders have siphoned off funds and not used foreign aid for the benefit of the people. And they really don't trust their government. If you saw the presidential palace, which is now in ruins, the people of Haiti would say that's where the devil lived. And in America, there is also a distrust of those in authority. We're looking for, in the upcoming election, for those who want to come under the authority of God to use their authority to help people, to solve the problems of this nation, to steer us onto another path. We're looking for legislators to pass just laws and to correct unjust laws. That's why I favor the referendum of the same-sex marriage law in Maryland. Marriage is and has always been a union between a man and a woman, not between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. Therefore, it should be overturned by the people. You see, God speaks to us. He speaks without equivocation. He speaks with authority. When the children of Israel were being pressed by Pharaoh and his army, they cried out to God. And God said to them, to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. Stop crying out to me and start using the authority you have. Jesus taught us to pray with authority. He said, truly I say to you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say will come to pass, it will be done unto you. Jesus is not saying for us to speak to God about the mountain. He's telling us to speak directly to the mountain. To that which seems impossible to us, which is possible to God, which is to move the biggest thing. You see, God can do what we cannot do. That's why we have to speak to the mountain. In another situation, the disciples tried to heal a child who had signs of oppression. And the disciples failed miserably. Finally, Jesus took over the situation. He got a brief history of the child's condition. And seeing the faith of the father, the father said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus rebuked that 
unbelieving spirit. He said, you spirit who keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit left the boy at Jesus' command. Now this ensued a debate between Jesus and his disciples as to why he had the power to cast out the spirit and they did not. And Jesus said, this kind comes out only by prayer. You see, certain spirits become very entrenched and they only come out through prayer. Jesus then exercised his authority and his command to the waves and the wind. He said to them, be quiet and be still. He commanded the lepers to be clean. He touched the blind eyes and said, be opened. To the deaf ears, he said, be opened. To the paralytic, he commanded, get up. To Lazarus, he said, come forth. And to the demonic spirits, he said, come out. Just then, verse 23, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an unclean spirit. Now mark this. An unclean spirit is always marked by uncleanness. You say, Pastor Art, did you go to seminary to learn that? <laughs> by vileness, by filthiness. You see, it's translated here evil spirit or impure spirit, but really the word is unclean spirit. The spirit said, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? What are you doing on our territory? Why are you interfering with our affairs? You see, this was a territorial spirit. This spirit had taken occupation in this man's life and was ruining him, was causing pain and sorrow. He said, have you come to destroy us, the spirit said. You see, all the spirits, the fallen spirits know that one day they will go to the abyss. That one day their doom is sure. And so he asked the question, have you come now to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. Do you know who he is, the Holy One of God? The Holy and Righteous One of God? The Son of God who appeared to destroy the devil's work. The Son of God who appeared doing good and releasing people from the bondage of the enemy. The very Holy One of God. You must understand that spirits want to take a foothold in a person's life. And then they take a stronghold. And they hold people captive. And they fortify themselves. And they resist. You see, there was a certain power associated with this spirit. But there's a greater power in the person and authority of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the king. And he has authority over all. And the spirit said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus then said sternly, be quiet. I love that part of the story. I've had it with you. A friend of mine, Dan Green, was having a meal with a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee. And they were sitting at a table, and there was a man there who was vile. He was saying things that were vulgar. Things unto, untoward the uh, waitress. So Dan suggested... Shall we move to another table to carry on our conversation? The pastor said, I'm not leaving. He looked at the man and he said, in the name of Jesus, be quiet. 
And there was a hush in that restaurant. And the man said, excuse me, I was rude. I want to tell you, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus took it one step further. He said, come out of this man. And the unclean spirit shook him violently. And he came out of him with a shriek. And the people were amazed at the authority of Jesus Christ, aren't you? The man was no longer being oppressed by the enemy. With authority, Jesus commanded the unclean spirit. And that spirit obeyed him. The spirit manifested. This unclean spirit manifested in the teaching of Jesus You see, the insight Jesus had into life was so piercing, so penetrating, the spirit felt as if he had to interrupt that meeting. But Jesus rebuked the spirit and commanded the spirit to come out. The film of my generation, the people flocked to see, was The Exorcist. It was filmed down in Georgetown. It's the story of a girl who was possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. She was supposedly set free by two men who interceded on her behalf. The girl is set free free temporarily from the evil spirit. But it's not the story of triumph over evil. It's the story of evil over good. For the evil spirit destroys the men in the process. It's an evil and frightening film. But in in this account, Jesus is in command. When the demon is confronted by Jesus, he is forced to leave the person he inhabits. The spirit is reluctant to leave, but he must leave. You see, the spirit had power over the man, but Jesus had power over the spirit. It is Jesus who sets the captives free. I heard a story this week about a teacher, for all you teachers out there. She had a large class, but was alone with a student. And the student had that angry, rebellious look. Whatever the teacher said, the student was filled with venomous rage. So the teacher... (laughs) couldn't take any more as a believer said in the name of Jesus I command you angry spirit to come out and suddenly there was peace and quiet in that room I'm telling you there's power in the name of Jesus then the people were so amazed they asked each other what is this a new teaching with authority he gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him I suppose this man and his condition was pretty well known. People knew his story. But now the story of Jesus is being told all throughout the region. Jesus has come to our city. Jesus is setting people free. Jesus is setting a captive to be released. You see, there came a time when Jesus was crossing over the lake. And he came to the land of the Gerizines. It was an unclean place. And there was a man with an unclean spirit. And he came out of the tombs to confront Jesus. He confronted him about being on his turf. You see, the man was living in the tombs far away from his family, far away from his community and society. He was all by himself. And he was a tormented soul. They had tried to chain him with his hands and with his feet. And the man was cutting himself with stones. You see, God has made us in His image to give Him glory. And this man was living far beneath His humanity. And so Jesus said to the Spirit, Come out of the man. 
And when he came out, he said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, a legion in that day was, in Roman society, about 6,000 soldiers. So here was a man with 6,000 spirits living inside of him. A spirit of violence, a spirit of anger, a spirit of self-destruction, a spirit of bitterness, and all by himself. And I think the cry of his heart was, Jesus, set me free. And Jesus heard that cry and exercised his authority, and the man was delivered. And there the man was, sitting in his right mind and clothed again. And he begged Jesus to go with him. And he said, no, go back to your family and tell them what good things the Lord has done. Jesus has the power over all spirits. Sometimes it's a spirit of seduction, a spirit of bitterness, a spirit of rejection. To us, these spirits seem very strong, but Jesus has the power over these spirits. Secondly, Jesus healed the sick. As soon as they left the synagogue, verse 29, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and immediately they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait upon them. It's now the early afternoon. And this is an emphasis upon the compassion of Jesus Christ. We knew it was customary to go and have a big meal after the Sabbath service. But instead of a delicious, hot Sabbath meal, they found a sick cook. (laughs) You know, Peter was married, and he had a mother-in-law, and she was sick in bed. She was burning up with fever, perhaps had an infection. She felt incapacitated, unable to move about. And verse 31 recounts what happened on that day. When Jesus saw her condition, he felt compassion in his soul. His heart went out to her. And Jesus took the initiative. He moved toward her, standing over top of her. And he extended his hand to her. She was touched by Jesus. And power flowed from his hand to her hand. And he lifted her up, and she was made well. I've tried to picture this in my mind so many times. She was feeling incapacitated. Her head was burning up. She didn't feel like getting out of bed. Her family didn't know what to do. And there was this foreboding darkness. But then Jesus touched her, and she started feeling well. Her fever was gone. She felt like making dinner. She received a touch from Jesus. She had a story to tell of being made well. She said something like, come here, Peter. My head, my fever's gone. Come here, Andrew. My, the fire of my head, I'm burning up. It's all gone. I've been made well. I've never felt better in my life. You see, there was praise to the name of Jesus. Laughter could be heard in that house again because Jesus touched her. Do you believe that Jesus has the power to heal the sick? Do you believe that Jesus is the good, the good, the good physician? Scripture tells us, if anyone's sick, call for the elders of the church to come and lay hands upon that person, anoint with oil, and pray in faith. And the prayer of faith will raise up the sick person. You see, our God has the power to bring healing about in our lives. 
But we have to come before him in prayer and ask him for that healing power to flow and believe that God, our God is able to heal. And that evening, verse 32, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. <laughs> and the whole town gathered at the door. <laughs> now it's sundown and the Sabbath is past. And Jesus has been preaching in the synagogue, casting out the unclean spirit, healing Peter's mother-in-law. And the news has spread throughout the region. And they brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed for Jesus to heal. And the whole city gathered at the door. There were people coming to the door with canes and crutches, some being carried on pallets, beds. There were people with spirits, that had been in control of their life. A bitter, angry spirit. A resentful spirit. And so they brought them all to the door of Peter. It must have been quite a scene to see the mass of humanity at Peter's house. And what did Jesus do? He healed the sick and he cast out the spirits. But he didn't allow the spirits to speak because they knew who he was. So let me ask you three questions. First of all, do you know you have the same authority as Jesus? Do you believe you have the same authority as Jesus? Jack Hayford wrote a song about kingdom authority. Flowing from God's throne unto his own, his anthem race. Jesus in Luke chapter 9 said, He called the twelve unto himself, and he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick. Do you know that when Mary and Martha had a sick brother, they sent word to Jesus saying, The one whom you love is sick. Don't ever think when you're sick that God has turned against you. You see, God feels compassion for you. I'm looking at Jan. She was one who was wrestling with some uh, problems before our Haiti trip. And we really didn't think that Jan was going to make it. <laughs> we really thought Jan was going to be left behind. We thought, well, we're going to 14 versus 15. And she discovered that through the vaccine process, there's been an onset of an illness for her. But God made her well. We prayed and God made her well. You see, God has the power to heal. Jesus said it this way in John 14. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. What did Jesus do? Well, Jesus preached the kingdom, and Jesus drove out demons, and Jesus healed the sick. And he will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Do you believe that there's an authority been vested in you from Jesus Christ himself. Secondly, if we are part of his kingdom, are there any demons we need to get rid of? We talk about the demons of our past, but we don't talk about getting rid of those demons. So let's talk about getting rid of some of those demons. Let's talk about taking authority. Let's talk about calling on the name of Jesus. Let's talk about pleading the blood of Jesus. Let's talk about tearing down a stronghold. 
Let's talk about taking every thought captive to obedience to Jesus Christ. Let's talk about ridding ourselves of the oppression of the enemy. So let me ask you this. How has the enemy been oppressing you? Do you have a spirit of anger inside of you? I lived with a spirit of anger for a long time. I was angry at my father. And I lived with that spirit of anger and bitterness and resentment. And so I I walked the world kind of angry and a chip on my shoulder. And I'll tell you this. Jesus Christ has set me free. I once was a captive, but he has set me free from bitterness and resentment and anger and wrath. Do you live with a spirit of fear? God has not given to us a spirit of fear, but of power, of discipline, and of a sound mind. You see, God has given us power over the enemy, and God gives us a sound mind. Are there any demons in your life that God wants to get rid of? I was listening to a brother this week give me a revelation of some of the demons that have afflicted him, oppressed him. And there's power in the name of Jesus Christ to be delivered from the power of the enemy. You see, Jesus is our deliverer, and he also delivers us. So when we find ourselves being oppressed, there's power in the name of Jesus. And there's two weapons in the arsenal of our enemy. The first of those weapons is that of lies. The liar will always lie to you and deceive you. His game is deception. It always looks better than it is. The sin has pleasure for a short while. So there's always a lie that I'm believing when I'm entering into sin. And the second weapon in his arsenal is that of accusation. You see, he will lure you into sin. He'll attract you to sin. And then he'll ensnare you in the sin and make you a prisoner to the sin. And then he'll bring accusation to your mind. I really can't be a Christian and be doing this. But it's only the mighty name of Jesus that sets us free from the oppression and lies and accusation of the enemy. Third, is there any place in your life that you need some healing? (laughs) Any wounds from your past? Some of those wounds happen really early in our childhood. And we carry them all of our life. Think of your life like a house. And think of your memories like a room. And when we go through healing, we're inviting Jesus into those rooms, inviting him to come in there. It's like he's knocking at the door, and we have to hear the knock and invite him into those places. And then he begins to heal those inner places of our heart. He heals the brokenhearted. Is there any place in your life that needs healing. Pray with me. Jesus, you stood in a place like this 2,000 years ago, announcing to everybody who would listen that you've come to set the captives free. Some here, Father, you are opening their ears to hear something they need to hear. You're opening their hearts to believe something that perhaps they couldn't believe before, that you are the divine healer, that in exchange for our sickness, you give to us healing and healing of the soul. In exchange for our bondage, you give to us freedom. 
In exchange for the heavy stones that we have carried, you carry them away. Jesus, healer, deliverer, heal us today. Deliver us, O God. We come before you as a people in much in need. O God, we need your forgiveness for our sins. We need your grace, and we believe your grace is enough, the grace of the cross, the power of the blood, to cleanse us and purify us. You command us to get rid of all the moral filth that is so prevalent in our world and to humbly receive the word which can save our souls. God, save our souls. May this time of communion be a rich time of fellowship with you. As we come again, Lord, into your presence and remember the body that was broken for us and the blood that was poured out for us, God, we want to do these things in remembrance of you. We want to experience intimacy with you, God. We want to know you on a personal level. Not to be far from you, but to be close to you. So this morning, help us to draw near all around this auditorium to experience, Lord, your love. May your love flow into our hearts, your deep, deep love for each one of us. God, we pray in Jesus' name.